Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today, we want to talk about Maybe one of the biggest things that we deal with as thriving entrepreneurs, as people, um, and that's those things in life that we can't control. Now, you've heard me talk many times before about the whole concept of controlling what you can, but then not worrying about what you can't control. And so, you know... As I always tell you, I appreciate how much you are here with us on this show. And that's something you can control. You can control the inputs that we put into our lives. Um, you know, it's said that we become the most like the five people that we spend the most time with. And for a lot of us, um, you know, there either is now or there was a time in our past where those five people didn't necessarily serve us. They weren't probably the five people we should be choosing. I know a lot of us know what it's like. And, and some of that's just, you know, because you're young and you make silly decisions. And some of that is because you on purpose keep people in your life that really don't serve you. Um, and so when we bring inputs like this show into our life, we are choosing on purpose to surround ourselves, when we, uh, you know, listen to affirmations by Lisa Nichols, when we uh, go through uh, any one of Tony Robbins' amazing courses, um, or we go to church on Sunday, or any of those kind of things, those are choices that we're making. I appreciate the choice that you made to listen today, and I appreciate that there are things in life that we can control. My good friend, um, Sid Bauman, who spent years as a sales trainer, that was the primary thing that he used to teach people was control what you can and don't worry about what you can't control. And so we've talked a lot about the things that you can control. But today we want to focus on what can't you control? What do you do in the circumstances, those things in life that are out of your control? A lot of us, especially as entrepreneurs, because let's face it, you know, in order to invent something, in order to lead a company, to do all the amazing things that you do in this world, a lot of times we tend to be a little bit of control freaks. <laughs> we can admit it right here, can't we? That, um, you know, we like being in charge, not necessarily in a bad way, um, but, you know, because we know what to expect from ourselves. And sometimes the hardest thing as an entrepreneur to learn is to do only the things that only they can do. And we've had lots of people come on the show and that's all about controlling what you can control. But today we wanna talk about those kind of things that you just can't control. They're outside of your ability control. Things that come at you. Um, you know, illnesses are the big one. 
um, if we have a child that has the disease, if we ourselves fall, you know, deathly ill, those kind of things, um, a lot of times we can't control those. Um, there are things that we can do to live fit, to live healthy, to have control over the life and the lifestyle we lead. But as we move through this life, there are things that we can't control. We've talked in previous episodes, um, you know, especially when we've had a best-selling author on that's talked about moving from abuse that they were in or those kind of things. And um, we've talked about the element of not being able to control other people. And that's a big one. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, we could go on for days and days about that. We we can struggle a lot, actually, with um, wanting to change people. Um, it's inherent in our nature uh, to look for solutions as opposed to, uh, you know, buy into the belief that somebody is just stuck in the place they're in. And so what we do is we uh, we try to control the situation. We try to insert ourselves, um, our will, our opinion, whatever, into their lives and somehow wrangle them, um, you know, like cattle, yes, <laughs> um, into a place where they're going to do what we think is best for their lives. But the truth of the matter is, is at the end of the day, the only person on this planet that we have control over is ourselves. And that's tough. Man, sometimes, I, I know you probably if you know how this feels, there are times when I would just love to be able to, you know, take somebody's life who I see the possibility and make them do what I know could be good. But, you know, we don't have that ability in life. That's one of the things, one of the major things that we can't control is that whole controlling of somebody else. And a lot of people waste all of their life or a whole lot of their life trying to control their circumstances. Um... You know, you have no more control over another individual than you do at, you know, yelling at the rain and making it stop raining. We just don't have that level of control in things. And so the art, the secret is when things come into our life that we can't control, what can we do? How can we really live powerfully in a situation that is out of our control. Wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? A lot of us, even as even as I'm saying this, I can feel myself, and, I, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this, uh, you know, having that, mm, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. You know, I like to talk about happiness and joy and all the things you can do to live as a thriving entrepreneur. I don't want to talk about the fact that there are things in this life that you cannot control. So some of you know, um, you know, those of you that are familiar with your part of uh, Kathy or I's Facebook feed, you know that our youngest daughter, Maya, um, was, if you're listening live, if you're listening a couple of years from now, it's been a little bit, but um, was diagnosed recently with AML leukemia. Um, and, uh, you know, the bottom kind of falls out in your world. Everything that you had planned, all the things that you were going to do, they just change in an instant. 
in a diagnosis, in a phrase, in a word. And our life upturned. And, and I'm not saying that in a bad way at all. Um, Kathy and I, looking back at our whole life story, um, since we've been together and even before we were married, um, we have intentionally chosen the things that we feel are more important than just uh, advancement, wealth, riches, those kind of things. And uh, many of you may know that for a couple of years, several years actually, uh, we first remotely and then in our own house um, took care of Kathy's mom to the end of her life. And it wasn't something we planned. I mean, we knew that at some point, um, because Kathy's an only child, um, that that we would be there to be there for her mom. We didn't know at that point what kind of an impact it would make to us. But we would do it all over again. It's it's not a regret by any means. Um, it's also not something that we have the ability to control. The doctor literally said one day, you know, you have the choice. You can go home and live with Kathy or you can go into a nursing home. And her mom chose us. And, and that's what we wanted her to choose. And, and uh, you know, we took those last couple of years of her life and did everything we could. Um, and our really 24-7 job was, uh, you know, was to take care of her. And now with Maya, we're in a different but similar kind of a situation where literally everything else just doesn't matter. It's amazing what something like that coming into your life does to your priorities. Very quickly you begin to realize what is and what isn't important. What kind of things have I been holding so tightly onto that I can let go? And often, and throughout the process, and, and hear me when I say this, that isn't something that happens instantaneously. You don't have something completely out of your control, like a diagnosis, come into your life and just instantly life changes. I mean, you're in a completely different state in life, but that doesn't mean that necessarily our minds, our spirits catch up with it that instantaneously. It's a process. We go through it. And, and we're still going through it. And um, I love what one of the social workers or somebody said to Kathy um, when she said, you know, it's chaos right now, but you will find your new normal. And that's really what we do in those kind of extreme situations like that, is we do the best we know how to do, and we look for our new normal. We find the things in out-of-control situations that we can control. Where can we put our effort? What really is important? Often, we find that some of the things we've been fighting so hard for weren't worth any of the effort at all. Just letting them go is very difficult. But once we do, we discover that they really weren't that important. They really weren't that necessary. And we then can have A, a new normal, and B, often a better life because our priorities get rearranged 
by things outside of our control. And when we are able to look at those things and say to them, um, you know, I don't have any control over this. I don't know what to do in this situation. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. And I don't know what to do next. And often as we relinquish that tightly gripped control, that's when we find really, truly, true freedom. And until we get to the place where we're able to acknowledge our lack of, I just want to let that sink in for a second. Because there are a lot of amazing things you can do. But sometimes one of the most amazing things you can do is to acknowledge your lack. To acknowledge your lack of control. Your lack of capability to do something. To acknowledge, and here's the tough one, that you need help. That you need to cling to, trust, and rely on someone else. That, of course, is deeply spiritual, but it's also very practical and real. Many of us suffer from Superman, Superwoman syndrome. And often it takes a major cataclysm to come into our life to help us really reevaluate and simply let go. And so throughout the course of this, we've got an amazing bestseller that's going to talk to us for pretty much the rest of the episode. And um, she's going to share with us some really great insights in taking an out-of-control situation and turning it around to something that empowers you in a way that you didn't even know you could be empowered in, you weren't thinking to ask for because you would have never known. And it's in that out-of-control situation when we're willing to go through that we can really find a new level. And at the end of the day, even though it's something we can't control, when we can acknowledge that, we can become thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. 
in those moments, in those times of things that are out of our control, can come some of the greatest opportunities. Times when we can learn to live brave, fearless, and free. And to help us with that, from the best-selling book, Raising Allie, I have with me Nicole Montez and her daughter, Allie. Hi, guys. How are you today? Good. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. So let's start off with just a little bit of background stuff. Um, so Allie, um, I'm going to let you go first and tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, hi, my name is Ali Montez. Um, I was born with cystic fibrosis and was diagnosed at about two weeks old. Um, and I've been living with cystic fibrosis um, ever since. So I go to a school called Denver School of the Arts and I dance about five hours a day, so 30 hours a week. And I'm really busy. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I have a mom who wrote an amazing book. She's super successful. I love her so much. And a dad and a sister named Izzy. And yeah. Awesome. So Nicole, tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what kind of weird turn life took when Allie, you know, was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. It was, um, it was really tough. You know, Dan and I weren't necessarily planning on um, a baby, you know, so early in our lives and um, expected, you know, everything to go really well with our pregnancy. And, um, and it did, that, that was probably the hardest part is everything was um, smooth and we, you know, never expected anything would be less than, I guess the word is perfect. <laughs> a lot of us use, um, you know, most of us just say, we just want a healthy baby. You know, it doesn't matter boy, girl, we just want a healthy baby. And um, that's what we, we planned on. And, you know, Allie was born and, um, you know, beautiful and, and healthy. Um, but really early on, um, they noticed she wasn't gaining weight quickly and um, wasn't thriving. And they looked into further details about that. And um, that's really how we came across the cystic fibrosis diagnosis, uh, like she said, about two weeks old. And so, of course, obviously, your whole life changed. What was life like just before that, and what's it like now? Oh, man. Um, you know, before that, I, I had a, a thriving career. Um, I, I will say that I was in corporate America. And, you know, I was one of those people that thought that I would, you know, climb the ladder, you know, do what those before me, my parents had done, and um, you know, create a secure future is probably how I'd word that. And, um, you know, it's a disruption finding out that we were pregnant um, without getting the opportunity to really try. And um, those first couple of weeks with Allie was, it was amazing. It, it truly all was amazing, but um, everything was going according to plan. And, and I began to kind of start slowly to think about being a stay-at-home mom. Could I do this? Um, maybe I should. I never thought about it, you know, in my 25 years that, that I would want to stay home with, you know, my children. So yeah, the best word I can think of is, is peaceful and blissful, truly. Um, I had planned on going back to work, so everything was going according to plan from, from there. Um, you know, but at her diagnosis, just 
you know, in a moment's notice, life can change. It just the snap of your fingers. And I think there's a before and an after. Um, and that was, the, that was one of those moments for, for me, it, there was before the diagnosis and, and after. And, um, it, it took a lot of time to really learn more about her disease, but it took more time accepting that, um, we weren't the definition of the, the white picket fence, perfectly healthy baby. You know, we were, we were different. And that was very hard for me as a mom, truly. Um, a lot of blaming myself. Did I do something wrong? Um, but then slowly it began to transition into her and getting myself strong and healthy to be able to help her because in the end she was the one that was going to have to live with, with cystic fibrosis. So life changed, but it it wasn't just a black and white change diagnosis. It was an acceptance of what happened and, um, you know, the anger that this wasn't part of the plan and, you know, the part of us that says it wasn't fair. So it was a big change. So for people who are unfamiliar with cystic fibrosis, Nicole, if you can um, first kind of explain to people what it is, and then we're going to have Allie kind of explain to people what it's like living with it. Okay. Um, cystic fibrosis, it's actually today the number one genetic um, life-shortening disease of, of children still today, um, which, you know, most people don't know when we think of, you know, childhood uh, diseases. Um, this is the number one genetic one, meaning they're born with it genetically. And it's titled life-shortening um, and life-threatening. I think when Allie was diagnosed, the average life expectancy then was, was 37 years old, um, you know, as an infant, they told us that she had a 50% chance of um, truly surviving childhood. Um, they thought we were crazy when we, you know, we knew we wanted her to have a normal life and be active. Um, but what it does, cystic fibrosis, um, it basically is a lung and pancreas disease that um, they build up mucus in their lungs and their pancreas where they can't digest their food properly to thrive. And then over time, their lungs become scarred, so they lose lung function. Um, majority of um, those that, you know, are, are in their 20s have to have a, a double lung transplant, um, which doesn't cure them. It, it really just starts the process over as if, you know, they're, they're an infant, brand new with CF. Um, but there's not, you know, a lot of uh, knowledge about cystic fibrosis. However, um, it was then, I think, hearing all, you know, those statistics. And if you're, you know, a, a parent or a friend and you've ever had, um, you know, a child or someone be a statistic, it's, it's hard to hear that list. And I, I think very early on, we made the decision she wasn't going to be a statistic, that there was exceptions to every rule. And I believe a lot of that came down to how we, you know, we spoke to her um, about her disease. So today, I will say um, she is thriving, and I'll let her talk a little bit more about that. But it wasn't a positive diagnosis. It wasn't a hopeful diagnosis um, in any form of the word. 
So, Allie, tell us about what your life is like. Well, my life is very busy. Um, yeah, well, cystic fibrosis takes a lot of treatment, so it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of responsibility, and I have to do that stuff away from everyone in my own time. So as a high school student, it adds more stress. It adds more time on top of my homework, on top of my dancing, and it makes life a little more busy, especially. But um, a lot of people don't know about cystic fibrosis because people with this disease don't exactly look sick. So um, we do all of our treatments. We stay healthy behind the scenes. We don't do that stuff in front of people that we know. So we look healthy, but we aren't exactly <laughs> that healthy in front of them. So, um, yes, it adds to my life a lot, but I'm actually very grateful for what it has done for me, um, for my life, and for everything. I'm just grateful to be living and that I'm thriving. And, yes, it does have the downsides. It does make my life a lot more busy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So, Allie, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, the dancing that you do and, uh, and some of that kind of stuff. Um, well, I dance at school every day for an hour and a half, and then I go back to my studio um, every night, and I dance about four to five hours, um, every kind of style, <laughs> so it's um, 30 hours a week, I'm pretty sure, and then once I get um, early into the year, I have a competition season, which adds even more dance hours to my schedule, so I'm dancing pretty much all the time. And... Does the does the cystic fibrosis, uh, you know, even come into play at all while you're doing all that dancing? Yes, it does. It definitely does. Um, throughout the um while dancing, I'm exercising a lot. So it brings up a lot of mucus, and it's hard to breathe with CF. So I have to make sure I clear my airways every night so I can dance well and breathe well and do my best um, while dancing, building up my stamina. Um, and then... Exercise also helps clear out all of my mucus, so it's actually helpful. There's a bright side to dancing with CS. But um, because I dance a lot, I lose a lot of calories. So I have to make sure I replenish those calories a lot. I have to eat a lot of fattening foods, a lot of calories, so I can keep up my weight. I can keep gaining weight, and I know that dancing is not going to bring my weight down with CS. So, Nicole, talk to me from a mom's standpoint. I mean, when Allie first comes to you and says, I want to be a dancer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what was that, uh, both emotionally as well as, what was that conversation like? It, it, it happened a little bit by default. Um, we just had her in this little dance class. I danced growing up, and, you know, I loved it. So we, you know, about the age of three, you put your kids in some different things. And very early on, we found out she wasn't really cut out for soccer. <laughs> so um, we put her in a little ballet class and she just began to really shine. And, and mostly I just thought about, she loves it. And, and, you know, I want to keep her a little bit busy, but it wasn't necessarily a lot of exercise. Um, and when she was about five, right around the kindergarten age, um, her dance teacher recommended her for their competitive team and that took me by surprise not because she wasn't talented just you know it, it's a lot of time and and I didn't know how she would manage that on top of you know at that point we were managing her disease ourselves as parents 
Um, she wasn't really, we were doing it for her. Um, but as a mom, again, I went back to that. There's an exception to every rule. And if she doesn't, if she's not coming to me with a letter thinking, do you think I can do this because of my disease? I, as a mom, wasn't going to say, I don't know that you can do this because of your disease. So we handled it as if she was, um, you know, cystic fibrosis free, just like we would, you know, any other situation. Um, a lot of encouragement throughout the way. Um, I, and funny, you know, it, it is funny enough. Sometimes I would see her struggle and it was always amazing to me that she just thought maybe I'm a little out of shape or maybe I need to practice more. She didn't understand that sometimes she wasn't breathing as clear as everybody else because of her disease. So I believe because we pushed her to really reach her goals and her dreams and, um, you know, be as big as she possibly could, it was never an excuse for her to not be her best. Um, alongside that, from a mom's perspective, it was hard because, and I talk about this in, in the book a little bit, um, I, at one point, I would get really upset when she was competing if she wasn't um, winning. I thought, I think as a mom, I wanted you know, I thought she has cystic fibrosis and, you know, some of the other dancers don't have any of this. Like, why can't she be number one and why can't she win? And, um, you know, letting her be a dancer really taught me that no matter what um, we have to deal with in our lives, it, it doesn't necessarily give us a free pass to have it easier than anybody else in any area. You know, we still have to lose and we still have to have tough times in middle school and we still have to go through everything everybody else does. But on top of that, we have this adversity and um, we have to rise to the occasion. So I will tell you from a, a, a dancer perspective, it was probably a little easier for her as a mom. I, I, it was hard at times. It was very hard. I can totally imagine. I know what it's like to go through those times as a parent when your child has something that you just wish you could just take from them. And that can be so hard as a parent. But you can find a place within that that you can thrive. And that's the point of what we're talking about today. We're going to be right back with Nicole and Allie here in just a couple minutes here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to WeHelp youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back 
I'm here with Nicole Montez and her daughter, Allie. We're talking about her best-selling book, Raising Allie, and how you can live in this world brave, fearless, and free. So let's talk about the book and a little bit about living brave, fearless, and free. Um, so Nicole, um, tell me a little bit about why, you know, just to begin with, why you even decided you wanted to write the book. Um, that's a great question. I, when, when Allie, when Allie was first diagnosed, um, I, prayerfully, I just felt like there was a bigger calling for her and a bigger need for me as a mom to tell the story. And I didn't know what that looked like, but it always felt like it would be in book form. Um, and I felt very strongly that it was almost like a life assignment that I was right about my journey um, with her to empower others, whether they have a child, you know, with disease or um, anything that has come up in their life where they feel this is unfair or I don't know how to get through this or they're at a crossroads, you know, I call it on the floor, on the floor moment where they have to decide, are they going to stay laying on the floor or are they going to get up and, you know, make a decision. And that's, um, it was, the book was encompassed in all of those thoughts in those moments, but I truly felt like it was a life assignment (laughs) that I would write and tell the story um, and our goal is to really tell the world, not necessarily what cystic fibrosis is. Um, we want to raise awareness, but we want to raise more awareness for, um, people all over the world to know that they can be brave in the most, the hardest times when the statistics are against them and they can be fearless, um, in anything. And that doesn't mean not having fear, it means being aware of what you're afraid of, but doing it anyway. Um, less fear is, is fearless. And free, you know, when we are brave and when we are um, willing to conquer our fears, there's so much freedom in that. Whether it works out the way we want it to or not, um, you know, being free of that burden um, can be life-changing. Allie, you're such an inspiration to all of us. I'm sure you probably don't even really know that, but you really are. Um, Tell us from your perspective what it's like to live brave, fearless, and free. Okay. Well, with cystic fibrosis, living brave, fearless, and free is super important, I think. Um, Fearless. Living fearless is being free from that fear of not being able to live the way you want to, not do what you want to, not accomplish what you want to, and letting cystic fibrosis hold you back. I never want to let CF hold me back. I don't want to let it free me from not living life and not seeking the adventures I want to do or doing the dreams I want to live, like living the dreams I want to do. Um, And free, being free from that burden of thinking that CF will hold me back, free from that bad mindset of thinking that, um, I'll never be able to do something because cystic fibrosis will always be there or I'll be held back and I'll be weak and it'll get the best of me. And I don't want to do that. And being brave because I'm letting, I'm not letting a huge disease, a life-threatening disease, um, 
get the best of me, not letting it take away my life, not letting it take away what I want to do with my life and accomplishing those huge barriers I want to break with CF in my life. So what would you say is the biggest struggle that you've been through throughout the course of your life? Allie? That's a good question. I want to say my biggest struggle throughout my life has definitely been dancing with CF, honestly. It has been a huge struggle, a huge struggle throughout my life. Losing weight, going to the doctors has been such um, an emotional and physical weight on my body, um, thinking that I won't be able to dance um, with CF, with this disease, was heartbreaking, honestly, because I love dance. It's my passion. I'm obsessed with that. I love it so much. And so um, it's been such a struggle being held back a little bit, like my stamina, um, not thinking I'm like, I'm in shape. That's like, that's been hard. Cause it's hard. I don't want to let CF, I don't want to blame it on CF. I don't want to let it affect me, but of course it has, um, it's hard with my salt levels because I sweat so much, um, which helps me. It doesn't help me at all. It actually makes me lose energy. It makes me, it's just, it's hard to dance sometimes. So that has definitely been the biggest struggle ever, but um, a huge struggle also has been management of time, actually. <laughs> um, doing homework, dancing at night, and coming home to do my treatments and taking my pills all the time, but also remembering to take other medicines when I'm getting sick has been a struggle, um, especially in high school because I'm wanting to get good grades but <laughs> and graduate and go to college, but I want to dance for as long as I can, and then I want to take care of myself and be healthy. So, yeah, those are definitely some of my struggles that I've had to deal with throughout my life. So Nicole, if you could go back in time, you know, hindsight being 2020 as it always is, and you could give advice to yourself back both in the early days, as well as just going through some of the tough moments, what advice would you give to yourself? Oh, I, the advice I would give to myself would first be um, when when Allie was diagnosed, I think I, uh, you almost go into, I think we, as moms, you know, we're, we go into fight or flight and um, most of us go into fight, you know, and give it everything we have. And um, it, <laughs> at, at, I, I forgot you know, it's been 16 years now, and I just recently learned this, truly. Um, I forgot to take care of myself because I felt like I, I felt like I had boxing gloves on every second of every day, you know, to every person I talked to, every other child that was healthy, every doctor, I was fighting. And um, it stole a little bit of, of my soul and my freedom to enjoy her. Um, the advice I'd give to myself, I've just recently learned this, as I said, but I'd have more at those doctor's appointments. We go every three months since she was born to children's hospital for almost an entire day. Um, there's been several others in there. Um, I would have made it more fun for her and me. I would have 
enjoyed every second I had um, a little bit more than being so worried that I was the one that was going to have to save her. Um, I would have asked for help more. Um, I kind of took it on all myself and I would have been honest about how I felt. I, I wasn't very vulnerable. I was a, I was really young and B, you know, that's not your first thought. It's hard to be really strong and vulnerable at the same time, but I would have been more honest with how hard it was instead of, um, making sure everybody thought we were fine when deep down, I, I didn't know if we were fine. So I would have been a little bit more honest. Um, I think I came off very inhuman to other moms and the truth is I wasn't, I just was afraid if I let them know how hard it was, then I wouldn't be able to maintain my strength. So I would have, um, I would tell myself to, to slow down, to breathe, that I can't fix it all by myself. Um, and if I am staying in, in, in the pain and the anger and the frustration of it, I, I'm going to rob myself of um, the joy. And I did in some of those moments. So I wish I could tell that my 25-year-old self that it was okay to laugh and it was okay to take a break and it was okay to let somebody else take her at times. Um, yeah, that would be my biggest advice to myself. And one of the things that, you know, even as you were talking, uh, came back to my mind is, you know, there's a dad, there's a husband that's, you know, in this situation, been in it and, you know, with you through the whole thing. Um, you know, so do you think you sometimes try to be superwoman as opposed to allowing him to help you? <laughs> you know, I probably still wear that superwoman cape in that area. Um, I did. And I will tell you, <laughs> this is for another book, but <laughs> it did affect, you know, it affected our marriage for sure. Um, but again, it goes, for me, it went back to that vulnerability. And I think I thought if I let him, what I wish I would have done is I, I can take care of Alex or Allie and he could help me take care of Allie, but he could take care of me. And instead what I did is I didn't allow him, his name's Dan. I didn't allow Dan to take care of me because again, that fear that I would crumble, I had to stay strong. So I, I, I just took it all on as if it was my, my job and my project and my, um, and it was hard. I think it was hard for him to find his place in, um, you know, where am I in this? And he played a, a giant role because I was, you know, stressed and worried and, and, you know, he was, he was able to bring the fun and the lightheartedness and the, um, you know, he was the one in the doctor's office or the hospital blowing up, you know, the rubber glove and making a chicken like he and, and I was like, we don't have time for that. We got to save her life. Um, so I wish I would have found that balance a little bit more because we couldn't have done it without, you know, him and his 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 unwavering strength. But I could have let that burden off myself. I could have let him carry some of that burden. Um, but I really fought to keep it. I really fought you know, to have to carry it myself. And I would tell that my other 25 year old self that it was okay to take off that cape once in a while. I still struggle with that to be quite honest. But um, again, you know, when you're a mom and you're just desperate to save your kid's life, you know, that's, that's, that's all you want to do. That's all you want to do. 
Oh yeah. Be brave and brave in that. But I will tell you, I think freedom, Steve, in that freedom and being free is, is also letting somebody care for you. So you could be stronger caring for that, her, you know, and I, I could have been stronger in that area. Yeah. So I would tell all moms out there, if you know, that are in my position that it's okay to take off your tape once in a while. It's okay to cry and crumble and, um, you either na- you either do it throughout the process or you do it later, and I believe it's a lot healthier and happier to do it throughout the process. Yeah, so I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Allie, for the people that are listening, um, give them a piece of advice. What's something that they could do, regardless of their circumstance, um, what's something that they could do right now today to make themselves live more brave, fearless, and free? Um, that's a good question. Um, I definitely think that for you, something for you to do today is to, whatever circumstance you're struggling with or dealing with, is to change your mindset. Look at your circumstance as a, you know, a barrier and change your mindset of how you want to break that and how you want to do what break it so you can get through into the things you want to do in life I think that when you struggle with something it's a way that will make you stronger and if you look at it as something that's going to make you weaker and you can't get past it then it's gonna it's gonna overcome you it's gonna not let you do things you want to do and I think that you need to look at it as a something that's going to help you throughout your life that you're struggling with and you need to break through it so you can become stronger and not let it hold you back from the things you want to do in life. That's my advice. Thank you. Nicole, um, you know, there is so much in the book and people need to get the book Raising Alley to get all of the stuff that you share with them in there. But, uh, you know, right now today as we talk, if you were going to give a person one thing that they could do, something they could take action on to live brave, fearless and free, what advice would you have for them? I I would tell them that I would tell them to be brave enough to give it all they have um, and, and have unwavering faith that whatever comes, they, it's going to be okay. They, they can do it. Um, they don't have to have it all figured out um, before they start. They, they can go through it knowing they're going to be okay. Um, and I would tell them that true freedom lies in the willingness to just enter the forest. (laughs) I think that's brave. I think it's entering a forest, not knowing what's going to happen. And that to me was entering my daughter's diagnosis um, and a lifetime with it. And the fearlessness is the faith that we were going to be okay. Um, So to everybody, you know, listening, it would be, don't be afraid to go all out. Um, don't be afraid to truly be free and to feel everything you feel. Um, yeah, that's Brave, Fearless, and Free. It is book one of the Brave, Fearless, and Free series called Raising Alley by international best-selling author Nicole Montez. I'm so glad to have had both Nicole and Allie on the show here with us. Is there anything else you guys, either of you, would like to say to the audience before we uh, finish things up today? 
I just want to say thank you for allowing us to tell our story and, and get more just knowledge about cystic fibrosis, but also be able to touch so many people's lives out there, you know, whether it's Allie's point of view or, or, or my point of view as her mom. Um, we're just grateful to be able to share. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, thank you so very much. <laughs> Again, the book is called Raising Allie by Nicole Montez. You can get it on Amazon today. Thank you both so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not about learning how to gain control over situations, but rather what can you control in situations that are completely outside of your control. All of us would choose in certain circumstances for things to be completely different. But what we can choose is how we act, how we react, the things that we do in a situation. And that allows us to live our lives as thriving entrepreneurs. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com. Youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We're here talking today about the things that you can't control in life. And we were so blessed to have with us Nicole Montez and her daughter Allie. And they talked to us about how you can live brave, fearless, and free in a situation that is completely out of your control, something that you would never choose, but that you, once it's in your life, you have to get through, that you can, as I said earlier, find that new normal and then learn how to thrive because of that, within that, in spite of that, all of those kind of things. And a lot of times... The life that comes after that initial shock of that diagnosis of that thing that you can't control, that life actually becomes better. You know, I think of the story of the little trees, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, they all had dreams. And none of them thought that the things that happened throughout their life was in any way allowing them to live their dreams. And yet what they found was that they fulfilled their dreams in ways they could never imagine and so much better than anything they could have ever dreamt of. And at the end of the day, that's what I want for you. I wish I could take away um, in all of our lives 
those things that are out of control that we wish we didn't have to go through. But what I can give you is the reassurance somebody's here with you, that we're here slugging it out with you, going through it with you, that you're not alone, and that although it feels so life-altering, that it's very possible that the alteration that happens to your life is something that will be so much more amazing than anything you could have even contemplated before it. And for a lot of you, like I said, right now Kathy and I are in the midst of a thing, so I speak right from that to those of you who are also in the midst of right now. I speak life to you. I speak hope to you. You have a bright future. And even though when you pop your head up, it may look so dark, so dismal, so impossible, I want you to know that there is a dawn, that there is light, there is brightness, there is hope. There is healing, there is wealth, there is wellness. There is so much more so still available for your life. I've often said we can we as people consider things that are drastic measures like for example suicide because we assume that that's going to be a solution to our problems without really having information of what happens on the other side of a drastic life-altering decision. And rather than succumb to one of those desperate kind of moments, my hope, my prayer for you today is that you can just breathe that you can close your eyes for a moment and remember the smell of sea air, the brightness of the sunshine on your face, the giggle of the little baby, all of the good things that exist in life, to feel the warm embrace of a loved one's arms wrapped tightly around you, holding you and keeping you safe. And that even if, in reality, what's facing you right now, it doesn't feel like there is a tomorrow. I give you today the gift of belief that there can be a brighter future, a greater tomorrow in all that you do. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you, all of you that have allowed Kathy and I to be part of your lives and help you share your story, your message with the world. You are always welcome to come join us at bestsellersguild.com. It's a free group filled with a bunch of wonderful people all going after in the process of or celebrating their explosion into the world with the message that only they can share. 
And we're so honored and so blessed to be part of it. And we would love to have you come join us at bestsellersguild.com. A free Facebook group for people who are writers, want to be writers, dream of being writers, who have something within them that they just know they've got to share with the world. If you're that person, you're who we're looking for, and we would love to have you join us. We, Kathy and I, have as a goal to help over one million people share their story with the world. We would love to include you as part of one of those people in any of the ways we have possible. And all of that starts from joining us at bestsellersguild.com. It's just as simple as that. Step on in, join us, and you too can begin to shape your little corner of the world with that message of the things that you've gone through that stuff now that only you can share. And since you're going to share your story, since you're going to write your book, why not make it a bestseller? So join us at bestsellersguild.com because I want you to know no matter how good or how out of control life is right now, you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you please know that Kathy and I are here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur until next time have a great week thanks for listening to thriving entrepreneur today If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business. Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.